From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up Warchant, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, some strong words from Mike Norvell about what's going on in Michigan with their scouting plans, I guess we could say. Will home cooking from the refs be a problem against Wake Forest? And the rest of your questions on the Renegade Express mailbag. Wake up, board champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Barn Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, 2475 Appalachia Parkway. Also on the internet over at cptallybar.com. You can place your orders to go. You can also check out the daily lunch specials, but that's why you tune in, everybody, and then you you tune out as soon as we tell you what's going on at the Corner Pocket. Thursdays, cheesesteak sandwich, chicken or steak, $8.99 comes with a side dish of your choice, straight fries, curly fries, coleslaw, potato salad. Um, I'm just making things up now. No, I'm not. They're all available. Can you believe that? And there's more. Broccoli, side salad, tater tots, freshly cooked potato chips, onion rings. $8.99 for one of those and a freaking cheesesteak sandwich. Who loves you? The Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Bingo night as well. Or no, yes, bingo night. Sorry, Cor, I'm all over the place right now. I feel this energy in the air, man. It's wake week. We got to mm-hmm. get them, man. It's time to get them. It's just mm-hmm. time. It's time. How are you, though, Corey? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. I hope you're doing well. I trust you're doing well. Mm. Also, I want to give a, a quick shout out to uh, Corner Pocket, but they're, they're, uh, the bar downstairs, the Seventh Hill Tap Room, is now open. It's back. It's yeah. open again. Yeah. Um, it's craft beer, craft beer establishment that they're, it's trying to pattern itself like an Irish pub, so it has a different menu. It's it, they're both owned by Bill. They're both under the umbrella of Corner Pocket, but it's a different menu and it's got a bunch of craft beer that you can't get at Corner Pocket. So if you're into craft beer. Maybe mosey on down to the Seventh Hills Tap Room. It's also a little uh, uh, calmer, might be the better mm, word. Mm. Like Corner Pocket can get after it on the weekend now. Refined, a little more refined. Can we say but, that? But maybe, but that's uh, that makes it sound like Corner Pocket is unrefined. I, I think it's you know if you're looking for something a little slower paced, mm, mm. Seventh Hills is the place where you can go, and it's just right downstairs. Seventh Hills is like first date place. Corner Pocket's like. We know we're good for each other. Let's go let right. our hair down. Yeah, you don't have to get to know each other yeah. the whole time. Like, Seventh Hill's a little quieter. Yeah. Gives you a chance to really get to know someone. Plus, I think they have a shuffleboard. Mm. So, that's always fun. Uh, tabletop shuffleboard, everybody. Not not Correct. like actual. Not the cruise ship. Yeah. yeah. Not the retirement home down there in Palm Beach, y'all. Uh, five-star rating review, please. Subscribe to YouTube, Warchant TV. Subscribe to Warchant.com uh, as well. Thumbs up, all that sort of stuff. Uh, good news, bad news, Corey. There's um, we got maybe the best set of questions I've ever seen on the Renegade Express. Mm, okay. Uh, bad news is there's 26 of them, so I don't. Oh, boy. All right. Don't know how that's going to all work out, but that's what you we guys can always save for. some for the live show if we don't if we don't get to them all. <laughs> One more bit of housekeeping, Aslan, before we're done. Yeah. Uh, Peyton Ingle, I hope you listen to this show. Uh, you won the uh, the guess the score contest mm. uh, from last Friday's happy hour at uh, Warchant. Uh, he got the he got the score on the nose. My goodness, FSU thirty eight, Duke twenty. The problem, Peyton, um, and I'm saying but I'm saying your name because there's other Peytons that were there probably. I think I got your email address right, but it's very hard to read. So just throwing that out there. You should have gotten the the gift card, the fifty dollar gift card, emailed to you uh, a couple of days ago. I just want to make sure you've gotten it. Right. So reach out to Aslan if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get to the questions, any 
practice observations, or do we need to touch upon what Coach Norvell said when asked about what's going on in Michigan? Uh, yeah, we could do that real quick. Uh, you know, just the yeah, there wasn't you know practice was practice. It was fine. Uh, I think Knowles had a couple picks. He had a really nice pick in uh, one on ones uh, too. I don't, I can't remember who he was covering. I think it might have been a scout team receiver, but it was a, it was a really good play. Um, Period three, he had a pick two on a, a hail mary. Ten. Yeah, things, yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, Norvell was asked about the sign stealing stuff uh, at Michigan, and he basically said, "Look, stealing signs has been around forever. Like that's that's the whole. Once everybody went no huddle." Like, nobody stole signs 35 years ago because everybody, the quarterback just told the team to play in the huddle. Uh, but once it went to up-tempo, all 11 guys looking at the sideline to see what the play was, um, that's become a part, an, an everyday part of the sport is to try to decipher those because it would help you immensely um, if you could decipher what play was being run. And he, uh, you know, he said he had no problems with people on the sidelines in the moment being able to decipher your play. And I think he said it, his example was if I keep just flashing the number one over and over and we keep running the same play every time I flash the number one, well, they're going to figure that out, and that's on me. And he said we do have an elaborate set of signs, so we hope that it can't be broken, but he, he called it unethical what Michigan is accused of doing, which mm -hmm. is obviously, as everyone knows, going on the road to other stadiums and try and just straight video recording their sidelines to try to uh, get the signals for later and, uh, and you know, I had, a, I talked to another, uh, a member of the Florida state staff, uh, you know, the whole football staff after the practice on Wednesday. And he was saying what, what they would end up doing, why it's such a big deal is because you would video the signs that the team is running. And then you would go back to the, the all 22 or the TV copy of the game. And then see flash, put that sign that they have that you can, that you've recorded up against the play that they ran. And then the next time they run that same play later in the game, you go and look and see what sign they used for that. Now, all of a sudden you see what, whatever window they're looking at you, we've all seen the boards or we've all seen that there's three guys signaling in the call and one of them, two of them are dummies. One of them is the real call. You just don't know who they're looking at. Well, if you can, if you can see who's doing what or what sign is being held, and then the play call three or four times, you will be able to then see what the play call is, and then you can prepare for when you actually play that team in a week or two. Mm. Does that make sense? Did I explain that at all? Absolutely. That was, it's a okay. really difficult thing to des describe, but you did a really great job of it. Okay, so. thank you. So that's why it's a big deal it is because you're going – uh, because you can't see it all on the All-22. You can't see it on the, the TV footage. You might see a player, too, where they're showing, you know, Harbaugh in the background. You see the Harbaugh, and then you see the guy next to him singling him something. But that's one or two plays, not every play. If you get all 70 plays, and they run the same play nine times, and then you look at all nine of those signs and what, what, what's the common denominator for all nine, nine of those plays, you will have then deciphered the code. Mm. I watched... Uh, the imitation game with my man Cumberbatch with the Enigma in World War Two. I saw I see how they do it. I know the game. And with that said, let us go now to the mailbag. Renegade Express, all these questions sourced from our tribal council, valued members, subscribers of Warchant.com. Join. Everybody join. We'll call this one maybe the, the Umbridge games part of the, the mailbag, Corey. Uh the, two of the more discussed topics on this show, which again, I don't know how passionate we really are about these things, but Sometimes you just have to fill a show, and it's it's worth talking about, worth writing about. Um, the discussions we've had on rotating defensive players seemingly, perhaps excessively, 
and then going forward on fourth down. So Turbo Knowles 75 thinks that Coach has done research about Georgia when they won their championships, which is why he's limiting snap counts. Uh, you're keeping your guys fresh, but also getting young guys prepared for the following season. The proof this is working is the second half stats. You're keeping teams off the scoreboard. So yeah. what do you think about that? Um, also, in regards to that, uh, our guy here, FSU Robert, thoughts on usage is that basically uh, if each starting defender played another 12 plays per game, that's 84 snaps of wear and tear after seven games. So Mike Norvell has, in essence, saved the starting defense two games worth of wear and tear so far. So do you think people are being a little too critical without recognizing the benefits of his load management? Well, number one, I don't think there's that much criticism. I think I've been critical of it for certain uh, situations necessarily, but I also always qualify it by saying they're 7-0 and and their second half defense has been great. The counter to th- that argument, though, about him saving the wear and tear, well, what if you, let's say you play Verse and Peyton. If they're going to play 45 snaps, you play their 45 snaps in the first 53 plays of the game, which is not a lot of rest, granted. But maybe after they played 45 of the first 50, or let's that's not a good example, 35 of the first 45 plays, or 35 of the first 40. They're just on the field. They're your starters. They're on the field. It's like Keon Coleman. Maybe you're up by three scores in the in the third quarter, or you're up by four scores in the fourth quarter, yep. and that's when you get the young yep. guys playing time. Yep. Yep. You know, I, I just – but it but it has worked absolutely. You can't argue with the results. I don't know why I am. I think I get frustrated more than anything with um, letting an offense get a little – get a little momentum going and also keeping your own offense off the field because what could have probably been a three and out if you had your best players out there – is now a six and a half minute drive that gets to your 27 yard line, hmm. which maybe if you got your good guys out there to start, um, they punt after three plays, and then you're limiting snaps altogether because they don't. The other team doesn't have the ball as much. But look, man, it's it's picking nits. I get it. It's not that big a deal, and it's not like Verse and Peyton aren't playing the majority of the snaps. There, and that's really the only one that I have the biggest issue with. Maybe linebackers too occasionally, but it is a lot of wear and tear, man. And they they are trying to play 14 or 15 games this year, and so they are they are doing a service by uh, you know letting the backups play. They play 21 players. That's a ton. Um, I would say also Georgia. I'm not trying to kill kids. I'm not trying to be um, rude. But Georgia's backups are better than your backups at certain spots, mm. significantly better at certain spots. And I'm not trying to, again, uh, diminish the players that are here, but, you know, man, was it three years ago? Jermaine Johnson was a backup at Georgia. He played every snap on this team, literally didn't come off the field. So that's the ca- difference in the caliber um, maybe not so much this year, although Georgia still is loaded. You know, does that make sense? No, like I, I nailed it. Nailed it. Georgia's backups. Your the the drop off between your Georgia starters and Georgia's backups isn't nearly as uh, disparate as big. It's not the chasm isn't as wide um, as Florida State starters and backups in certain spots. Hmm. Fourth downs, uh, Sam E. Knoll, which is gracing us with his presence, he's active on the board, strong, like a 1,000 posts, but 4,000 likes. So when he talks, people like him. Yeah. Uh, wake up, long-time old listener. Old school, old school. Uh, he's been around for a he long has. time. Yeah, he was on the other network, too. Yeah, he followed yeah. us. Uh, wake up, long-time listener, first-time questioner. I look forward to listening to you guys every day. 
Awesome. Didn't realize he was listening every day. Appreciate Thanks, it. buddy. A lot of talks, arguments about Mike's fourth down analytic decisions. So here's half question, half statement. We should find the answer out to this at some point. Do we know if Mike handles these decisions completely on his own, or does he have a guy in his ear sitting on a computer helping to make each of these individual decisions during a game? I would say there's no chance there's somebody on a computer at, in the moment doing the breaking down the situation. I think he goes into a game thinking, this is what I'll do if I'm in this spot. This is what I'll do enough if I'm in this spot. If I'm fourth and one, Outside of my own 30-yard line, I'm always going. I would think that, you know what I mean? I don't think it's like, what does it say now? He should know, quite frankly, what mm. the right play is from an analytical standpoint before he steps foot on the field. Mm. Now, the question is, sometimes anal- uh, we'll let him go ahead with the second part. I, I don't think there's somebody in the computer. I, that's, I think that's, in the way he's talked about it in the past, I think it's all Norvell making that decision. It's solely Mike Norvell uh coming to those conclusions on when to go for it and when not to. It is, but I I wouldn't be surprised if there was somebody in the booth that has like a chart or has some kind of access to something that's letting him know like, hey, it's third and six right now. Like if you're thinking about going on it here, if you get two yards, you're going to be at 65%. But if you only pick up one yard here, you're going to be down to 32%. But wouldn't you think he would know that? Any, I guess that was my point. Wouldn't he know that anyway going in? It's like a pitcher He's got coming a in, feel. in the eighth inning. And you're like, okay, well, this is... Uh, you know, Acuna likes the ball here. Like, you don't have to tell the pitcher. You wouldn't think that this is where Acuna likes it. This is where we want to try to pitch him because they've already talked about it before the game started. You're not wrong. Sense? You're not wrong. But I think it might be some confirmation bias in this. Maybe, to where if, maybe, you, if yeah. you hear a guy telling you in your ear, hey, man, you're at 62 percent right now, as opposed to he's like, yeah, you're at 35 percent. Like, I, I know there's a feel for it. But like, if you hear those like disparate numbers, like, all right, like, let's not do it here on this one. But I he just, wonder if he's that analytical. You know no. what I mean? Like, I know he plays the numbers, but I, I don't know. Like, analytical meaning he's strictly going by what the numbers say, and there's no gut involved at all. Yeah. He it, doesn't strike me as somebody no. that is pure analytics now, he played or pure football. gut. I, yeah, think it's, I think it's both. Yeah, he, he's played football, so yeah. I get it. Uh, yeah, Sammy just want us to let everybody know that he's firmly Team Mike when it comes to analytics. I think at some point people are going to realize this guy might actually know what he's doing, even if they don't completely understand it. Well, look, and I, I think when it comes to these fourth down decisions, you know, by the letter of the analytics, you should if you're you should probably go for it on a, on almost every fourth down decision you get. I think what gets lost sometimes in the analytics, and I remember this from being a Falcons fan, is the Falcons. There was one year where they were god awful at at in short yardage, like unbelievably bad, like the worst in the league by leaps and bounds, and they kept going for it on fourth and one and kept getting stopped. And it's like at some point you coach to the game, too, and you coach to your team. And now it's too early in that game against Duke to say this is this is how the game was, This their defense was dictating. But my counter to going for it all the time or when you should go for it in this particular instance is you're facing an offense that is not going to go up and down the field on you. That has to matter. It just has to matter. Like their chances of going 70, if you punt in that spot and give them the ball at the 15, their chances of going 85 yards and scoring, what are the chances of that happening? Mm. Very little. Their chances of stopping you on fourth down, I think, are greater than their chances of going 85 yards. They had a, they had a banged up quarterback, and they have one of the worst offenses in the country even before he was banged up. So they're not going to move down the field on you much. And, I, and I'm and i not saying he made the – well, I did say in that instance he made the wrong decision. I first guessed him. I'm sure the analytics told him it was the right decision. And I don't think just because it didn't work, that means I'm right and uh, Norvell was wrong. I'm just saying there has to be more to it than just, 
okay, the number said go for it, so I went for it. Hmm. Like, coach to the game and coach to the, the opponent. And sometimes, like when you're playing Wake this, this week and you have the ball, it's fourth and one at your 24-yard line. Wake has the literally the worst scoring offense in the country. And Wake has uh, a quarterback, if he starts, is ranked 120th in the country in pass efficiency. They are not going to score a ton of points on you. But do the numbers in that instance probably tell him to go for it on fourth and one from his own 24-yard line? But is it worth the risk because of who you're playing? You're not playing USC. You know, so if you don't get it there, you're giving them points where you're, where they don't even have to earn it. And with an offense like that, you need to make them earn it. That said, I sound like Jimbo Fisher talking. Flavonol. And I'm not Jimbo Fisher. I love going for fourth downs. Yeah. I really do. So I don't even know where I stand. Mike, just keep winning games. Flavonol uh, says about the fourth down stuff. Love Corey's fourth down column article. It was spot on. No need to further discuss uh, decisions on whether to go for it or not. Norvell's let us know where he stands with words and actions. Uh Corey ended the article by astutely suggesting that we get better fourth down plays. I'll take it a step further. <laughs> yeah, um, really, right? Just do that. I suggest we need to change our entire play calling philosophy on fourth downs. We don't average seven yards per play by playing smash mouth football. I respect Norvell, but I challenge him to treat fourth down like any other down. Stop trying to go power through with Benson or Bell or Lundy, bringing in extra offensive linemen, quarterback sneaks. You become predictable trying to do what you're worst at in short yardage situations, which is run blocking. So, uh, yeah, man, key plays, play to your strengths. Trust your best athletes. Yeah, why not throw it to Johnny? Why not throw it to Keon? So that is interesting. I mean, but they, they do cash down. Third and fourth down, it's like, yeah, they, they do change philosophies, and uh, it becomes much more, I don't want to say one tight, thing, but, but, you know. But I think different. one thing that is lost, we've talked about this a little bit, not a lot, when it comes to fourth down decisions, if you have a coach that is very aggressive, and Norvell's pretty aggressive. He's not Lane Kiffin, but he's not Jimbo. He's in the middle. But as a as an offense, as a quarterback, as a, as a whole unit, if it's third and five at midfield or at the other team's 40, and you have a pretty good idea that your coach is going to go for it, even if it's for, on fourth down, I think that frees you up a little bit. You 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 don't get as tight on third down. It doesn't it doesn't feel as uh knowing that you got a you got a uh, a mulligan on the next play perhaps. Also, if it's third and five, and you have an idea that your coach won't punt, and so the team's not getting the ball back, maybe you don't force an awful throw because you know that this is your last chance to get this first down because your coach is going to punt. Like you might be a little safer with it. it. You know what I mean? Like you don't force a a throw into a tight window because you know, okay, we can live to see another down and we'll get to run a, a play that's work that will work on fourth down. This third down call didn't work. Don't let me just it, compound it by making a terrible throw. Um, let me live to see another play. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Is there any other host in America that, at, that asks, does that make sense more than me? Well, no, it's, it's, it's rhetorical. You know it makes sense. You just want the, okay. uh, the validation. Well, I, I know it makes sense in my head, but sometimes yeah. I don't articulate very well. Um, Bourbon is your friend, our guy Dave from Bart Sound, and uh, he's got three jokes. Um, <laughs> let's 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 go to the one that actually has a question attached to it. Exec- executive okay. privilege. We'll go on that okay. one. Uh, will Clemson finally use the portal to get a new coach? Mm. Well, they will have to at some point. Uh, whether Dabo coaches there for the next 20 years or quits in two, uh, they're going to hire somebody after him. Uh, it will be. We talked about this today, right? Is he going to just own up 
and say, I made a mistake. That was dumb. We're Whoops. going to the portal. Whoops. Screwed up three years, guys. Sorry. You know what years. I feel like it could be? I just thought of this. I re- in 1998, Barry Bonds was, and I've said this before on this show, I think, Barry Bonds was the best player in baseball, and it wasn't particularly close. And nobody gave a rat's behind because roided up freak goofballs, Sosa and McGuire were hitting the ball 600 feet and chasing Roger Maris. And that's all anybody cared about. And Barry Bonds was like, are you kidding me? I'm twice the player either one of those guys are. I'm having an unbelievable season. I'm having one of the best offensive seasons of all time, but nobody cares. It's like I'm doing it in the forest. So you guys love home runs. You guys want to play this stupid game and (laughs) and get your body all bulked up? Well, watch this. And then he became Paul Bunyan with a head the size of a planet and started hitting home – and I mean it literally and figuratively – and started breaking records that will never be seen ever again. And is there a chance that Dabo goes full Barry Bonds this offseason? It's like, okay, y'all want to play this way? Y'all, want, Okay, watch this. Watch what Ipte does and the Clemson brand does in the transfer portal this year. Y'all made me do it. I didn't want to do it, but y'all gave so much attention to Florida State and all the transfer portals and all, all these other transfers that I was like, and that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go and show them what this, at peak capacity, what this space station can look like. That's, I, I, there's a, there's at least a chance Dabo does that. Yeah. It'd be like a little bit of a heel turn. I don't know if it'd be so much being, um, you know, what is it called when you, you go against what you said, being a hypocrite. Contrarian. Oh, yeah, yeah hypocrite. Exactly. Yeah. It wouldn't be so much hypocritical. Just like, listen, I said the fun's in the winning. It hasn't been fun around here lately. I want to get yeah. back to winning. We're going to do what we have to do to win. That's within the rules, you know. Yep. Um, but yeah, I do wonder if, I don't know if they're not that far behind the curve on this sort of stuff because ultimately it's just money, man. Like, it's, you know, there's scouting and evaluation and fit and all that. But man, if you have the money, you probably will be able to get the right guys. And then just like that, Two years ago, you're on top of this conference. Florida State's not, and that's how quickly it shifted. So you could probably do the same thing. So, I mean, there is a – I know we're all making fun of him now, but there is a chance that he goes Barry Bonds and just decides (laughs) I'm going to destroy this sport to help it. Um, Austin 19. I don't have a good answer for this question, Corey. I'm hoping you do. Uh, Happy Thursday, y'all. What has been the biggest difference that you have seen with Alex Atkins at at offensive coordinator versus Kenny Dillingham at offensive coordinator? Yeah, better players. Is is the difference more Atkins OC, Dilly OC, or Dillingham play caller, Mike Norvell play caller? No, that's I not his question, that, but, you know. Yeah, but I think that's more accurate. I, I, I like the way Norvell calls a game uh, more than I necessarily like Dillingham, but I also don't think that's fair because Dillingham's number one receiver the last year he was here was Andrew Parchman. Hmm. He did not have Johnny Wilson or Keon Coleman or Jaheim Bell hmm. um, or Trey Benson, for that matter. Um, yeah, Corbin is a nice player, but, yeah, so I, I it's hard. I just think, man um, – I don't know that there's anything real different. Um, they're, they were better running the ball last year. I think they care about establishing the run, maybe a touch more with Atkins. But by and large, I would just say, you know, they're better players hmm. than uh, – than, uh, I haven't watched enough Arizona State to see how similar it is to Florida State's offense. Is it? 
I mean, yeah. I know they don't have the players Florida State does at the quarterback, but I do they run? Can you look at those sets and be like, yeah, I see yeah. that all the time? Yeah, I mean, formationally, it's very similar. I mean, they, they go with a, a certain tempo. They, they, he does like running the ball. Um, it, it's not a... Uh, it's not an air raid pass happy thing, you know. It's like it's not like Gus always gets considered like Gus, like oh high flying offense. Like well, actually, Gus Malzahn really likes running the ball first and then getting everything around that. But yeah, I mean, formationally they run a lot of the same set, so it's um, same tree for sure. You know what I think about? I want to go back to the fourth down thing real quick. No, I was just thinking Corey, about this. just real quick, just about minutes. the analytics. Yeah. Do the analytics take into account your team, what its strengths are, and what the opposing team's strengths are, or is it just straight? Like, I don't hey think man, so. it's fourth and one. You go for it. it yeah, so it's, Duke, it's Duke down in Wake distance, Forest. man. It's down in distance field position. Well, that's what seems odd to me. That like that stuff doesn't matter. So Wake Forest, the the analytics tell Wake Forest to go for it with their horrible offense, or Duke's with their mediocre offense, or Clemson. Well, that's where your bad gut offenses. comes into play, though, right? That's what but no, I'm saying. But the analytics would tell those bad offenses to st- who have very good defenses, Clemson and Duke, to still go for it. Because the, and, and are you supposed to just follow it by the law? Because the analytics say to go for it, even though you don't have a good offense, but you have a very good defense, and you win games by defense. But it's fourth and one on your thirty-nine. You're supposed to go for it here. No, the but- analytics are just across the board. Because to me, that's like hitting on fifteen, no matter what the dealer is showing. If the dealer's showing a four, you don't hit on fifteen. If the dealer's showing a face card, you absolutely hit on 16 and 15. So I, I just wonder if that if if that that to me is the next step in analytics is you actually have to analyze your own team and what its strengths and weaknesses are. And not just a straight by the board, it's fourth and one at your 42, go for it. Don't worry, soon enough, um, you know, Caltech will have the AI robots deployed and they'll have the best play calling. They could be coaching. Think yeah. how much money you could save by getting an AI coach. <laughs> Or at least an AI decision maker. And trust me, folks, you hear me complain all the time about these coaches and their fourth down decisions. Most of them are too cowardly. I can't stand them being cowards and punting it and not going for two and all that stuff. I really am much more for the aggressive approach. Uh, But also their clock management is off-the-wall bananas. Hmm. Uh, So, yes, I think most of these schools could use at least an AI robot coach to tell them when when to call a timeout, when to let the clock run and all that. Mike's pretty good at that, though, right? Mike, Mike yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's, he's pretty, pretty good. Yep. Uh, what's pretty good um, is the show. What's even better than pretty good Thank is you. excellent, and that's Vitamin Energy. VitaminEnergy.com, promo code WARCHAMPBOGO, WARCHAMPBOGO. Reach out to our friends over at VitaminEnergy.com, Florida State alums. The WARCHAMPBOGO promo code is working. It's, it's all good. But as somebody okay. pointed out on the boards, it is a one-time use thing. So, mm, um, Well, that seems like an uh, important Part, yeah, a little wrinkle there. there. Yeah. Sorry, sorry about that, everybody. That's Aslan. That's an Aslan problem. Um, hopefully, we got you hooked though, and you got those twenty-four bottles though. <laughs> That's right. And it's treated you good. So, uh, if you haven't joined the family yet, go to vitaminenergy.com, the number one pre-workout shot on the market. Vitamin Energy's Workout Plus, the Sour Apple. Mm, somebody, even AF Noel fan, says Sour Apple is the best. You'll hear from him soon, so he wouldn't lead you astray. Vitaminenergy.com, promo code WARCHAMPBOGO, B-O-G-O. Buy one, get one free. Energy with benefits. VitaminEnergy.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Noel Boyo, too. Wake up. Special plans for the wrap after a victory Saturday, Corey. Well, it's going to be tough because Aslan won't be with us. Um, Stephanie be, will be with us. And I'm going to try after uh, – this is assuming a win. We're not going to be goofy if they lose. Uh, nobody's going to be in the mood to want us to be goofy at all if they lose this game. Um, going to try to get Stephanie to go in with us and Ooh. film us from Snuggy Hill. Ooh. I have but a Snuggy, by the way, if you guys want one. Uh, well, yeah, she probably does too. I'll, I'll tell her to bring it, but we can go cause she'll hold the camera. And I think Ira and I both having credentials and her with us, we can explain, look, we're going to record our post game thing. She's just holding the phone, um, which is actually exactly what she'd be doing. She just wouldn't have a credential and we would go near Snuggy Hill. I don't know if we're going to lay on it or hmm. eat it. We have not decided exactly what we're going to do on or near Snuggy Hill, but we are going to come up with something. Okay. AF Knoll fan aforementioned in the program here. Wake up, longtime listener, first time posting for the Renegade Express. Welcome. Welcome. I drive an hour from Pace, Florida to NAS Pensacola every day at four to five in the morning. I really mm. enjoy your show. It really keeps me engaged with the Knolls. Thanks for all you do. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. You're no, welcome. Th- well, thank you, it's man. It's tough you know, getting up that early, man. I think NAS, uh, Pens- I think that's some sort of armed services thing here. I'm guessing AF Null fans, Air Force Null fans. Okay, so there you go. Thank you for keeping the bad guys away and letting us do a podcast every day from the comfort of our homes. America. What's the key defensively to win this game and plant the spear on Snuggy Hill? Is a shutout this year too much to ask for? Last time we couldn't do much to stop that stupid slow mesh. Go Knowles, take your vitamin energy. Sour Apple is the best. And can't wait to hit up the corner pocket next time I'm in Tallahassee. Absolutely. In Seventh Hills. Yeah. Um, well, look, they don't they have, have a good quarterback. That quarterback a, was a really good. offense, good. period. They yeah. don't have a good offensive line. Um, they lost, I think, well, they definitely lost their best receiver off last year's team. And then I, I they've had another good receiver banged up. Uh, Donovan Green, they lost in the preseason. Our, our guy John Dell told us yesterday he was their, their big play threat. They lost him in the preseason. So they haven't had him. A.T. Perry has left. Yeah. yeah, it's um but so, you know, they like I said yesterday, they're last in the country in tackles for loss allowed. Uh, they average getting tackled for loss almost nine times a game. They have the lowest scoring offense in the ACC. They have uh, the 10th lowest scoring overall offense in the ACC out of 14. Uh, they are just not very good offensively. It is a de- it is a weird deal. It is a weird handoff slow mesh thing. But I think they're running they're running not as well as they did with Hartman, but it's not that far off. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's their passing, which has taken yep. a huge step back. You yep. know, they obviously, and we didn't even mention it, they lost Hartman to Notre Dame. But, you know, last year they scored 31 points. Hartman threw for 250 and a couple of touchdowns. I think they had 430 yards of offense. The year before they had 480 yards of offense and scored 35 points. And A.T. Perry had nine for 155 in that game. I wrote a story on it, so that's why I, I know those off the top of my head. So it's you're not going to you're not going to get a shutout. Those they, how often does that happen anymore? Unless it's Michigan, but um, and we know why they're doing mm, it. Mm. Come on, man. Uh, so, but the key is to just not give them 
just not have busts. If you don't bust, if you don't, uh, and that doesn't just mean the secondary, it means a defensive end crashing down for no reason and giving up the edge for 35 yards. Now, they're going to make some plays. They're Division One athletes, uh, and they're in a Power 5 conference. They're going to make plays. I feel like it's going to be very hard for them to sustain drives against you. And what I think Florida State has done a very, very good job of all season, save for the first, since Boston College, they're making everybody earn it. Mm. They're not, even Clemson. Clemson scored too much for my tastes, but they they didn't hit a bunch, they didn't hit a 70-yarder, a couple of 70-yard plays or a couple of 50-yard plays. They just kept earning it with 12 yards here, 16 yards there, uh, 11 yards on third and eight. If you can just do that and make them earn it, eventually you're going to get a stop or a turnover, and your offense is probably going to take advantage, and you're going to win. You can win the game comfortably. So the key is to just play smart. Just play smart. You're better than them. You're one of the best defenses that they faced, and they don't do good against even average defenses. So if you just play well and play your normal game on defense, they should not light you up at all. They should not even get into the 20s, the mid-20s for sure, unless you give them something. And if that's the case, you're winning the game. It's the last game before the first college football playoff poll comes out. Do you think that is in the back of anybody's head? Maybe like style points is wanted on Saturday? Uh, I hope not. Okay. I hope not. I don't think – and I wonder if the Florida State player I, – I bet if you polled 100 of the, the 100 Florida State players – how many do you think would know when the first college football rankings come out? Well, they all listen to the show, so they all know now. <laughs> well, good point. But if they didn't, I would say it's like 10%. Yeah. yeah. Just because why would well, they have been I meant, paying attention I meant before? the coaching staff. Like, all right, let's 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 keep going Oh, here. oh okay. I thought you meant about. the players. Like, we're yeah. not – We're hey, guys, we got to win this one by four. Like, that would be their motivational thought going into the oh, game. Oh, no, the no. College football ring. Okay, gotcha. I just wonder if it's like, we can take Jordan out right now, but let's let's get 50 if we could, you know, but I don't know. We'll see. They've, you know, they haven't been sterling on the road, but this team they they're playing not. is that, pretty that, lousy. That's, that's, so. that's the interesting part of this, though. Boston College was pretty darn lousy, too, when you played them. Uh, Clemson's offense had done jack squat, really, for most of that season, and they, they did really well against you in the first half. So I'd like to see a faster start on the road than immediately getting giving up 10 points on the first two drives like I feel like you did the first two games. Mm. Uh, FSU Pritch should have probably bundled this in earlier, but he rewatched the. Just this is alleviating any concerns you guys might have. So shout out to Pritch, FSU Pritch. I rewatched Clemson Wake from earlier in the year. Clemson kept shooting themselves in the foot. They had a muff punt. They fumbled. Uh, yep. But as the game wore on, Wake's defense really got worn down, and Clemson was almost running at will. The final seventeen to twelve makes it look close, but in reality, Clemson was never in real danger. He's right. It was it was seventeen to six in the fourth quarter, kind of the last gasp touchdown and. Onside kick was terrible. Anyhow, Clemson averaged five yards per carry. We can do even better. I say give Jordan the green light to run early and often and get Tate in there as soon as we're up by four or more scores. After the game, take a long, hard look at Snuggy Hill. Hopefully it will be the last time we play there for a very, very long time. I say Florida State 44, Wake 13. So okay, all right, points. that would be nice. That would be nice. And amen. This, mm. Maybe this will be our last trip to Snuggy Hill. Bradley Moss, wake up. Jordan has some opportunities the rest of the season to really start using his legs and potentially surge to the top of the Heisman race. Uh, thoughts on the Heisman? What do you think of the award? Rarely goes to the best player. Usually it's the best quarterback on the best team. I wonder, would they ever stop giving the award and just stick to individual position group awards? Thoughts? Uh, no chance on that last yeah. part. Uh, I don't want it to much, go away. Yeah, too much prestige. Well, it's also just too much of the fabric of the sport. 
It's too much a part of the fabric of the sport, even though it's clearly lost its luster. But then again, man, did it ever have – I mean, I know it had luster before, but Archie Griffin won it one year where he ran – he had three rushing touchdowns. I know, but when you it. but when you win it though, like the I get what you're saying. His resume, but I'm saying like fantastic. it's 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 very rarely gone to the best player. It kind of feels like it's always been this. Like how many times has the number one pick in the draft won a Heisman? Not many. So mm. it's never really going to the best player. It's always gone to the best player on the best team. That's been the case for 60 years, except in '99 when Peter Wark didn't win it because of Dillard's. But mm. whatever. Um, good old is it Ron Dane? Ron Dane won the Heisman. Yeah, Ron right? Dane, yeah. Um, anyway, and Peter didn't even win the Belidnikov nuts. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I think, I, I don't know that anything in this game, these next two games, you can lose it. He can absolutely fall out of the Heisman race and be done if they lose one of these next two games. But as long as he's just Jordan Travis, these next two games, um, that's when he, he will have. He'll have the three of the last four games potentially are marquee games. You've got Miami at home. Miami might have two losses, only two losses, but also it's Florida State, Miami. People will be watching. At Florida, people will be watching, and that's a tough place to play. And then obviously, if they're there, the ACC championship game. So he's got three more chances to really kind of uh, vault his name up into like really one of the leading candidates. Like if Florida State's twelve and zero. And he's ha- he continues to have a year like this, and he has a couple of highlight reel, highlight moment plays in these games where everybody's watching. At worst, he should be invited to New York. He should at least be in the room. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. I I, I know JJ McCarthy is the leader right now. I in, in the Heisman odds, the quarterback for Michigan. I I mean, I just I can't imagine. I can't imagine. That would be that is like Toretta, like Toretta winning it. But I mean, he was Toretta was like the ninth best player on that team in '91. McCarthy is not the best player on that football team. They don't win games because of him. Mm. They haven't won a single game yet because of him. Now he might have a great Heisman moment, but come on, I, I, that would be crazy. That's crazy. Well, that, uh, so Lamar Jackson won in '16. He wasn't the best team, clearly. Right. Uh, you know, Manziel. Tebow. Tebow won it. He wasn't on the best team. Yeah. You know, Manziel, these are quarterbacks, so probably bad. I mean, it always has come back to a quarterback. But Carson Palmer in 2002, USC, I mean, they made a New Year's Six Bowl, but they weren't the best team in the country by any stretch. But, yeah, like Ricky Williams in 98, Ron Dane in 99, those are your last non-quarterbacks that were not on the best team. Right, yeah. Devontae Smith won it a few years ago, but he was on Alabama. Yeah. But he was also really good. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I don't – McCarthy would be – I don't think there's been a player like McCarthy to win it uh, since Toretta, right? Since uh, Eric Crouch? Yeah, but they weren't even the best team, were they? Maybe they were at the time. That's a crazy – and the guy Jason White at Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, those are two – never mind. Th- those are the last two. I feel like we've done better lately on voting for this, but, yeah, those are uh, un- indefensible. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the Florida game. That'll be a nice audience. Our guy Mark over in Naples was wondering uh, why you think that game is going to be a tough one. Uh, they could be on quit watch by the time the Knolls come to town. Not predicting a beatdown like 13, but I think we win comfortably by at least three scores. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, they could be, but, um, you know, I just I that would be surprising. At home, you're better than Florida. But again, this isn't 2013. Your talent isn't so superior that Florida has no chance. Like Florida could have played 
16 quarters and scored maybe 20 points total. Like, they just could not – Morningwig was their quarterback, right, I think? Skyler, yeah, in, that's right. Yeah, in that's that 13 game. They had no chance to hang with Florida State. This team does. Uh, Florida State is not that good that it can go into anybody's uh, – any rival's home and just expect to dominate them. If they're there, if they care to play, which is a good point, Mark. But I'm, I haven't seen anything yet from Florida to think they're on quit watch. Now, if they get beat 50-6 to six this weekend – that might uh, expedite it uh, immensely, but I don't. I don't think that. I, I don't foresee them losing big this weekend. In fact, dare I say the Bulldogs should be on upset alert. Just throwing that out there, gang. Just throwing that out there. I mean, two years ago, when you talk about Florida State football, is a lifetime ago. But I mean, it, it was two years ago that you went in there and they had an interim staff, and they yeah. had all they all quit on the previous staff. Yep. And the interim staff figured out a way to, to best you. Now, listen, your quarterback wasn't available for all your drives, so that, that affected things. But, yeah, I mean, I think that that might be a night game. Uh, I mean, if it is a night game, that that freaking venue with nothing to play for other than ruining the season. Like, on the 97 to 2013 spectrum, both those are huge swings. Those are both polar opposite, like, radical ends of the spectrum. This is still probably just a nudge closer to, like, a 97 thing than a 2013 right like it's much more likely to be a competitive game and you may be losing than it is you blowing them out from the kickoff and the well actually it wasn't the kickoff because 13 they struggled for about a quarter yeah. but then they ran yeah. away with it um nonetheless let's uh let's carry on here Corey. next question let's go to old dads and old clemson and louisville now carolina there goes all the credibility nationally for florida state and the acc to think we were not even not too long ago discussing a one-loss Florida State getting in. Why is it the ACC always does what the ACC does? What's the gripe? I guess it just seems like Florida State right now, uh, this conference is not helping out by oh. how poorly they look because Carolina lost last week before that Louisville. Clemson obviously now is not uh, the Clemson of old. Um, it's weird though, right? Because Clemson got into the playoff at least twice with one loss. To unranked teams like Pitt yeah, they one lost, year and at one of home. them was at home, right? Yeah. Syracuse, the other one, yeah, yeah. And they still got in the playoff each year, so it's not like the ACC let them down. Mm. It apparently it's only when Florida State is very good that uh, the ACC the weak the weakness of the ACC is a problem. Because I can promise you, if Florida State had lost the game in fourteen, any of those games, they're not in the playoff. Uh, they barely made the playoff as an undefeated ACC team. It turns out they beat some good teams that year. So, yeah, but Clemson, meanwhile, can lose at home to Pitt and then lose on the road to Syracuse, and they waltz in. And I think one of those years, they struggled with Carolina in the, the championship game, and they just waltz in the playoff, no no drama at all. So, again, I think it's easy to say right now in October, let's see how it all shakes out. But there is a chance you might be playing a two-loss team in the championship game. Clemson might have five losses by the time this thing is over. Um and, you know, it just it's a bummer that that's the that that's the reality. But the ACC isn't as good as the Big Ten or Pac-12 or SEC this year. Doesn't mean they're always lagging behind. But this especially with the Pac-12. But this year, the last year of the Pac-12, uh, that's a that's a better conference than what you have. By the way, that year that you mentioned North Carolina, they were undefeated that year. They ended up losing. Oh, that right. was the first year they made to the, the national championship game. They lost to Alabama. Um, but yeah, actually, I, I think the ACC has been kind of insulated from everybody else looking a little bit down as well. Like the big 12 is not deep and that's been pointed out. 
the SEC is not, you know, the Alabama being down, LSU not being uh, what people thought preseason. I, I think there's just an overall feeling that maybe there's so much parity this year that I don't think the ACC, ACC is being branded as less than as they had been in previous years. At least one guy's opinion that kind of watches more football and listens to some other voices out there. But, but we both do agree wrong. now that if Florida State loses a game, they have it's a very t- uphill climb, very steep uphill climb to try to get in the playoff. Right? Yeah, until like everybody else starts losing. Loss. Yeah. They can't afford a loss, yeah. I, I don't think. Well, because we say that thinking that whoever wins that Ohio State-Michigan game is going to be undefeated. So... They're, that's their and Trump they can afford you. a loss. Like Michigan can lose at the championship game if they've just beaten Ohio State and Penn State. They're in. Yeah, they can afford a loss, but Florida State cannot. Yeah. Even uh, though they beat LSU, but whatever. Uh, Jimbo eleven. What's up with CJ Campbell? I know we're deep at running back, but I haven't seen him get any reps recently. Does he have a future here? Uh, well, he was not dressed out on Saturday night, so do with that what you will, and um. And uh, the week before, he did get a carry against Syracuse. It was one carry, uh, and I think it was because Rodney Hill wasn't available, but he did play a little bit against uh, – he had the 22-yard run, I think. Was that Syracuse or Virginia Tech? I think it was Syracuse. It was, yeah, happened uh, more recently here. I think. happened this month. I know that. Uh, but, yeah, so, he, you know, he's – look, man, there, there's Trey Benson, there's Keziah Holmes, there's there's Toa Feely, and there's Rodney Hill. It's big room. They can't – you know, they can't all get touches. Yeah. Deuce Span, I don't know if Deuce Span has a – does he have one catch this year? It's just hard. There's only one ball to go around, so not everybody gets to play, unfortunately. And I'm not saying that dismissively. It is unfortunate for C.J. Campbell, but he's the fifth-string running back. And I think he would have a future here. I mean, they're they're not – it doesn't seem like they're recruiting over him. I know they got Cam Davis in the full, but it's not like they're, they've got – But he's never going to have a future as in he's going to get 12 carries, 15 touches a game. Right. I don't think. I mean, you have yeah. to leapfrog at this point four other guys. Yeah. Uh, Bishop sixteen seventeen. Wake up, Azon Corey. Azon, will you and I be carpooling again for the road trip to Snuggy Hill? Mm. Can we get a live stream of the trip after your adventure is coming back from Clemson? Uh, we'll not be in the same vehicle. No. That's a Corey Aslan. That's a Corey Ira joint. Aslan's yeah. not going to Snuggy Hill. That's right. But he is going to Pittsburgh. Correct. Ira. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I want to know about. Are well, y'all flying together? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, no, we're flying back together on a 5 a.m. flight out of Pittsburgh International Airport on Sunday. So that's going to be fun. What time do you think Ira's going to want us to leave the hotel to get to the airport for a 5 a.m. flight? 8 p.m., 8.30. <laughs> yeah, probably 9. He don't want to sleep. Uh, you can sleep You can sleep your uh, happy ass on the, uh, <laughs> on the carpet in front of the terminal, buddy. Love you, Ira. No blood in Nashville. Wake up, fellas. Fun fact. Uh, my first game in Doak, Wake 2008. Corey can probably tell the final score of that one. Uh, we actually talked about that game. 13-3, to right? Wasn't that? Or 12-3? to Yeah, 12-3, yeah. 12-3, yeah. 2008, yeah. Six mm. turnovers. Six or seven. Yeah. We just talked about it uh, last week, I think. Yeah, I should have bundled this when we were talking about Wake Forest earlier. But why is it that Wake Forest somehow seems to be the dark horse in our season? We consistently are more talented uh, yet seem to be playing down to them. What are the keys to making sure we aren't on the cusp of a sleepy noon upset? Love the podcast. I've been listening for years. Just now subscribe to War Chant. Welcome. Thank you. Can't recommend it enough. Thank you. Love the insight, fellas. Go Knowles. Get you some vitamin energy. Well, here's the thing, Corey, right? Uh, to play down to them, you'd have to be like superior in talent, right? Like I guess yeah. Jimbo's teams did. We haven't seen a superior Florida State under Mike Norvell play down 
to Wake. Say what you will, they probably were on level planes, if not Wake Forest, a little bit better off in October of 2022, right? I don't think Florida State played down to Wake Forest last year. That was a good Wake Forest team with a very good quarterback. Yeah, I think they were, uh, yes, correct. I think that was an even matchup. I don't know what Florida State was favored in that game, but it wasn't a ton. Uh, th- yeah, there was th- w- probably position for position, Florida State had a smidge more talent, but Wake was a smidge more experienced. And how do you balance those two? 2021, Wake was a better team, um, and they proved it. There was nothing fluky about that. Um, if Jordan Travis had played the whole game, it would have been probably a shootout. But your defense was not stopping Wake. Wake scored 28 points in that first half and probably could have scored 55 if they wanted to. I didn't realize Clawson and Adam Fuller had such a relationship together. So yeah. felt like Clawson maybe took it easy on him in, in 2021. Um, so no, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think that Aslan's right. I don't I don't think you necessarily played down the last few years. This year, if you lose or if it's a close game in the fourth quarter, you have absolutely played down to them. Um, and then that's a that's a very good question to revisit. But let's see what this looks like on Saturday. I want to see them come out and pummel them early. I want to see them come out and jump on them. They you know just do what do what needs to be done on the road to take the crowd out of the game. You might be playing a true fr- or a, a, a third string quarterback, and if you're not playing him, you're playing Griffiths, who's more experienced, but was really struggling when he was playing. So he has no co- either way. I don't feel like you're going to be facing a quarterback with a ton of confidence. And you're facing a bad offense, period. Whether the quarterback thinks he's Joe Montana or not. So go out and handle him like you're supposed to early. And the offense needs to do what it does and go score points early and run away with this thing in the second half. That's what I'd like to see. How that happens, I don't know, man. I just, like I said, play smart. Uh, don't kill yourself with penalties, although good luck because it's Wake Forest and Winston Salem. Here's a little stat for you guys. I don't know if you follow me on Twitter, but uh, Wake Forest has played two home games in the ACC this year. They have been called for six penalties in those two home games combined. Mm. Their opponents have been called for 27. It's 27 to 6 in penalties at home in conference games for ACC and its opponents. And Narduzzi, credit to him, because this might actually end up benefiting Florida State, not only did he criticize the officials after the game on Saturday, he came back at him earlier this week too and said, I guess I don't know how to teach uh, DBs how to play anymore. They kept getting called for holding. Like, there's nothing we can do. Like, they reach out and grab us, and we have to put our hands out. Otherwise, they're going to push us down. And then we get called for the defensive holding. And so he really griped about it. They had 13 penalties, Pitt did in that game. Wake had four and then the game before, Georgia Tech, would act, which actually beat Wake Forest by two touchdowns in Winston-Salem, Georgia Tech was called for 14 penalties for 140 yards. Wake was two for 15. So no going in. There is a chance this game remains closer than it should because some funny business goes on because we've all watched Florida State play in Winston-Salem over the years, and funny business always seems to go on. I'm, I'm first uh... predicting it. But don't you think Narduzzi probably helps Florida State? Like – well, it's on the radar. It happens to everybody, man. Like, it, this it, is not a Florida State-centric problem that we continually talk about. It's bizarre almost now. I, I get but, the frustration, but... But you think it's not? You think it's normal. It happens to everybody that one team has six penalties. Their two opponents have 27. That's just normal. That's football. That happens all the time. But I'm just saying, it's, it's happened to Pitt. It's happened to Georgia Tech. If it happens to Florida State, like, it happens. It's not. It's not people out to get Florida State. 
it, I don't know why I, Wake Forest is getting away with it. Why Wake Forest is the beneficiary? That's kind of odd, I would my think. My point is, like, look, Hartman made a living, legitimately made a living on underthrowing receivers and getting pass interference. That's how the, the, I can promise you they spend two periods a day teaching those wide receivers how to flail to try to get interference calls. I can promise you because they're incredible at it. And that's not even a joke. It's part of what they do. It's like Duke teaching flopping in basketball. It's just part of what Wake Forest does. It's part of their offense. I'm going to throw a lob down the sideline. It's man-to-man. I'm going to throw it into the DB's back. He can't stop. You reach over him as if you're trying to catch it. It's going to look like he's pushing you 15 yards automatic. They do that all the time. They've been doing it for years. It's part of this offense. But my what I like about Narduzzi is he's gone public with his frustration, which I would think may make the official might make the officials a little more hesitant to be like, I don't want to prove Pat Narduzzi right by calling this, because it's going to become it would you know I I think maybe having it out there will keep that at bay a little bit. But I say that Florida State might have 18 for 180 in this one. I mean I know I know Clawson is the best coach in America, and Norvell and Narduzzi both suck and don't know how to teach fundamental football. But it is preposterous that last year Wake's opponents were called for 40 more penalties. This year, Wake's been called for 26 penalties. Their opponents have been called for 55. What, what, how do we explain it, Aslan? They're just the best coach team in America, and all these other coaches suck? I don't know why they go out of their way to do this to little for little old Wake Forest, who makes no money for the you know, for the conference. I don't get it. I know I'm a conspiracy theorist, but that conspiracy doesn't even make sense. Why would you protect Wake Forest? But they do. He teaches those kids how to draw flags. It's like the guys in basketball that attack the basket and they go, oh, when they throw Harden. the ball up towards Harden. the backboard. Yeah, Harden. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. they just throw it up. You yeah. just teach. It's a, it's a gift, I guess. Trey Young's really good at it too, faking like you're drawing a foul. And Wake Forest has mastered it. Clearly not that well this year though, because their offense still sucks. Uh, let's keep it with the refs. Something to look out for though on Saturday, <laughs> gang. I'm getting you all riled up. I'm getting the blood boiling already. Get ready at 12:06 on Saturday to get mad. Uh, Goofy Noel 10. Hey guys, first time asking a question, but I do live in St. Pete. My hometown is Claremont, home to Tyson Gay. I did attend the same high schools as Roberto Aguayo and Nick Waysom, oh, South okay. Lake High School. If you're wondering, Nick Waysom, a name from the past, yeah, man. Oh, Nick. I love that kid. Uh, my question, uh, with this being maybe one of the last times FSU travels to Snuggy Hill, can you recount any game more one-sided called by an ACC crew than the infamous 2011 Wake Forest game? I think that's where all this comes from, too, Aslan, is that debacle. I think Georgia uh, Tech might have a bone to pick with that. Uh, <laughs> well, right, yeah. they just That was just a month ago. Uh, uh, Pitt last week. Um, uh yeah, that was a dicey one. It was it was a cup it was obviously the guy pushing the ball forward and there was a uh there was a couple of defensive like holds or pass interference that I know particular when Florida State's trying to come back at the end, they call a hold on I think it's Brian Stork they call a hold on. Maybe they got the number wrong, but they call a hold on Stork and he's literally in the replay, he's touching nobody. Like there's there's no way he was holding someone and it happened to be a twenty eight yard pass down the middle. So Again, it, it wouldn't make sense for the conference to want Florida State to lose. But maybe this year it does because of what your board of trustees did two months ago. I don't know. But you'd still, if you're the conference, you want your best team to win. You certainly don't want them to lose to a team that's 1-3 in the, in the conference already. I don't know, man. I don't think there's an edict. Hey, man, call it better. Call it, call it better for Wake Forest. 
be be nice to Wake Forest. Try to even this thing up. It's just maybe it's human nature because you feel bad because they're it's a Wake Forest football. I, I don't know. And it doesn't make sense because Florida State hasn't beaten Wake Forest in five years. So feel bad for Florida State football. Let them get the calls for once. Last year's game in Doak, Aslan, yeah. Florida State 11 penalties for over 100 yards. How many did Wake have? A lot less than that. Yeah. A lot less. Okay. Renegade underscore Bryce, long-winded question. All right, well, let me go ahead and see if I can uh, pare it down here. Uh, wants Jordan to uh, use the legs a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think we ever start to see him, though, hit the slot guys that seem to be open on a lot of these plays more often? I didn't like the third and four decision he made last week where he immediately targeted Johnny on a fade instead of hitting Morlock right at the first down marker. Uh, thanks, guys. Support the sponsors. Go Knowles. Moving the chain, scoring six there would have been a huge spark at that point in the game. I don't disagree. Um and I hope so. I mean, that's all I can say is I hope so. I, I, um, I, I don't know what the first read is on some of those that stuff. And I, I know that it's like, okay, if I've got Johnny one-on-one in the end zone, that's who I'm going to. I think it was a poorly thrown ball. He didn't even give Johnny a chance. Um, but, yeah, on third down, I'd like him to take the first down and then move on. And he's done that a few times where it looks like there's guys open in the flat that he just completely ignores to take a shot downfield. But again, Jordan's got Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman to throw to. They're fun to throw to. And more often than not, they snare everything. So it makes sense to try it. But yes, I, I don't want him to askew uh, a shoe, however we pronounce that word, mm-hmm. E-S-C-H-E-W, um, an open guy in the flat that can get you, they can keep the drive alive to make a low percentage throw down the field to a well-covered receiver, even if they are awesome. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully that hopefully that happens. MyBookie.ag promo code is WarChant. That's a one-time use promo code as well. When you sign up for the first time at MyBookie.ag and use the promo code WarChant, you'll get an instant cash deposit bonus. With that said, it's Thursday. We know why you're all here. You just slog through an hour of us talking to get to our picks uh, from a guy that's gone three and three and the other guy who has not won one yet. Uh, we will not identify who is who. Um, Corey, do you want to you want to go first? You got uh, a pair. At some point, I think we need to go to three games, but we'll stick it to this week as well. I don't think we did as much research on making our picks. Uh, what are the two games that are on the Clark menu for the winners out there? So uh, for the first one, I've got Miami uh, minus 19 and a half against Virginia. Mm. Um, and I just think that number is enormous. I'm not, I mean, I know Miami played well. They beat Clemson with a backup quarterback, but I think Virginia's feeling good about itself. It's why not us? Nothing to lose. Got that monkey off their back. Beat William and Mary, and then beat undefeated North Carolina. So they'll go into Miami. That will not be a big crowd. It's Virginia, so it won't feel like a real a road road atmosphere. And I don't expect Virginia to win, but I think they'll be in the game in the fourth quarter. So give me those nineteen and a half points. Okay. Uh, do you have another one for your your pair of picks for our people? I do, and I feel like I'm going to to. You guys can keep picking against me if you want and making money that way. I get it. But Daddy's about to turn it around in a big way. I feel it. You know, and I got one for tonight, a game tonight, an ACC game, Syracuse and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's only favored by two and a half points. And I just don't get it. I think that Drones kid has given them life. I think they've played their two of their three, their two best games were sandwiched around the Florida State game, which they actually were in that game in the late in the third quarter, too. They, they, they played pretty well in that game, too. I think watching those two teams up close, I think Virginia Tech's better than Syracuse. 
I think Virginia Tech's quarterback is better than Syracuse's. So I'm going to take Virginia Tech minus two and a half at home. Lane Stadium on a Thursday night. Are you kidding me? Inner Sandman, Unforgiven, Nothing Else Matters. Play all the Metallica songs. One, uh, Master of Pub, any of them, man. It don't matter. Virginia Tech's going to win that game, and I think win by at least two scores. Wow, that was a lot. Um, sorry, sorry. It's okay. UConn Boston College 51 is the total points. We're going to go with the over on that one. What are we doing? You're um, just picking random stuff. And I'm trying to flip a coin. I don't know which one I want to go with here. At least I did ACC games. Well, I mean, Boston I mean, College. You got BC. You're right. Yeah, You're right. On, BC might score 51 on its own. Yeah, man. We uh, we like them around here. How about, how about Luke Fickle playing against his alma mater in Madison, though, and getting 14 and a half points, Ohio State? Ugly, ugly game against Penn State. Maybe a little bit let down. Mm. Uh, Badgers have been pretty lousy, but I think maybe they'll keep it close enough that'll be under two touchdowns. So let's go Wisconsin plus 14.5 at home against Ohio State, and we'll take the over on UConn Boston College at 51. I feel like that's 4-0. Those are four winners, gang. It is. It is. Parlay them, if you will, if you wish, everybody. MyBookie.ag promo code WarChain. Let's see how much more we can get in before our live show tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Tune in for that one. It'll be fun. I think I'll be operating from my mother's house. Uh, I'll mm. be back in the uh, the Bay Area, so we'll see how that goes out. Random underscore John. Good morning, Alzon and Corey. The best team of WarChamp podcasters I listen to. And I listen to all of the WarChamp podcasts. Okay, there you go. I'm glad he clarified that. Yeah, there we go. Um, all right. Trey Benson's running game. Is it in the friend zone? You know, gets along real great. Lots of promises, but never really taken to that next level. What's the rom-com turnaround moment we need to make those yards gained more than just platonic? Because my man feels friend zone pedestrian this year. It's been discouraging for our guy, I bet. Um, and we haven't spoken to him in a while. If, actually, no, we spoke to him in maybe two. We, I wonder if he's holding well, we up. We spoke to him after the 200-yard game. Well, that was Southern Miss, though. But I th- I don't... No, it wasn't. It was uh, Vatek, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah those or two Syracuse. home runs. Yeah, Virginia Syracuse. Tech, Syracuse. Yeah. No, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Final answer. You're right. Virginia Tech. Um, I wonder how he is holding up because there's certainly no way he thought it, it he'd be where he's at right now. Team 7-0, we talked about selflessness yesterday. Hopefully yeah. he is he is he has that gene that Lawrence Hofeely has as well. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think he does. I Like I said, he was all smiles when Kaziah scored, uh, but he oh, has yeah. to. Like, it's a, uh, it's a, you know, it's a competitive business, man. It's a competitive sport, and if you're not producing or running the way they want you to run – they got plenty of guys that will. Uh, with Rodney Hill being back, Rodney Hill's going to hit a hole 100 miles an hour. So is Kaziah. I don't think either one of them is more talent, is as talented as Trey Benson, but they're as talented as Trey Benson if Trey Benson isn't running at 100%. If he's not running with 100% force and explosion, they're better than he is. A lot of running backs are. Trey Benson is special because when he decides to hit it, people bounce off them. He's really big and really fast, but he's got to decide to hit it, and maybe they could run – Plays that more suit his uh, running style, too, I would say that, um, would be something they could uh, think about doing. But I can't think of a rom-com scenario that, that needs to happen. Yeah. I was trying to think like he could – he could. Uh, I was going to say fake uh, – well, I'm not going to even say that. The When Harry met Sally scene in the diner. Oh. oh he could, yeah. uh, but that would even make sense in the context of football. So I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It is interesting that like those home run shots that he's had this year, particularly those ones against Virginia Tech, were like on. I don't know if it's it's not outside power, but like outside like runs mainly outside the tackle box. It feels like like not toss sweeps or anything, but it hasn't been a lot of inside power running that that Trey is like busted off past the second level. It's been these 
get around a corner. They did not have good edge integrity, and then yeah. he's gone because he has speed. And I uh, feel like, uh, you know, in my opinion, honestly, and I this is just anecdotally, I don't have the evidence or data in front of me. I, I think Toa Feely has been better on those inside runs. I think he's run harder. I think he's hit the hole harder. I think Toa Feely runs knowing, okay, some four yards is pretty good. Six yards is pretty good. It's better than one or zero because I don't hit the, the – it's not a big hole. Maybe there's not even a hole there, but there's a crease where I could hit it and at least far forward for three or four yards if it's not there instead of kind of stopping and looking for something else and trying to bounce, and then you've got nothing. It's it's S Chu by the way. S Chu, all right, yeah. S Chu, which I would have never, I didn't know that's how you pronounce it. S Chu. Knowles yeah. underscore no underscore one. I'm starting to think there's a chance Johnny Wilson returns next year. What do you think? Um. Yeah. No, I don't. I wonder why he thinks that. I do too. Uh, maybe. Um, going to miss some games so maybe not as much production on tape that you want but but he has put on tape has looked great though right that's what i'm saying it's two years now or a year and a half i guess let's hope he's back and better than ever here soon um but it's two years now and of him showing what he is he's not going to get any faster he's not gonna get any taller this is what he is and i don't know what he could prove by staying another year i and look man i hope he does too but if his dream is to play in the NFL, um, I feel like he's definitely got an – it's not like if he comes back next year, he's going to be a first-round pick, where this year he'll be a third-round pick. Like, he is what he is. They know what he is. He's going to be drafted in 2024 just it, it, 2024, just like he would be in 2025. I don't think there's, a, there's, there's much upside that he hasn't already shown or fulfilled. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. No, I think he is kind of is what he is. So if he wants to go ahead and get started on his career, he'll get drafted uh, probably in the first two days, and uh, and then he gets to start his journey. Yeah, I don't because I don't think the the drops thing is going to knock him too much. It'll be talked about, but uh, I don't know if he comes back next year and catches everything. If that would just completely wipe the slate clean, and but I mean. I, and I'm not going on wood, but he hasn't had a drop since the Southern Miss game, and yeah. he's made some tough catches. Yeah, I'm with like you. Like those those games, the 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 catch he had the other night on third down, going to the ground, is a great catch. The one that he got hurt on. Yeah, knowing that you're going great to catch. probably fall in a really painful manner. Uh, but yeah, he yeah. It down. Well, and you know, I was thinking about that man because the reason he dropped those, the the two or three drops he had against Southern Miss, he had the ball, and then the ball came out when he hit the ground. You remember that? Right, like the the ball squirted out two of those times because he didn't control it as he hit the ground. Well, that That's how was drops so work in, sometimes, though. Right? But right, but that was so ingrained in him to not let not loosen up his grip on the ball before as he's hitting the ground. That on that play he hit his head on the ground because he was so worried about holding onto the ball. You know what I mean? Mm. So that like that that goes back to the Southern Miss game where he did drop the ball because he you know he didn't he didn't have it wrapped up necessarily like he should have and the ground knocked the ball out he wasn't gonna allow it to happen that time and it just so happened he couldn't like get his arm up even a little bit to protect his his fall uh, so it's a bummer it worked out that way but I think that tells you something about Johnny Wilson yeah. that he got better at it he hasn't had a drop since the Southern Miss game Candy Knoll wake up good morning. I think waiting to use Jordan's legs until the second half is the coach's way of rotating the quarterback position and keeping Jordan fresh for the second half. <laughs> right, yeah. 
Good point. I am finally okay with it. This team is built different, runs different than what we're normally comfortable with, and especially this year when there is more parity than most, it might be exactly what is needed. I am mostly commenting here, though, to ask Corey to please keep starting to write his How FSU Lost stories in the second quarter and Mm. then rewrite the entire story later. It's getting to superstition level now, and it's only silly if it doesn't work. Thanks and go Knowles. I'm uh yeah I'm two and zero oh in that. I, I had written one against Clemson, and then I had I hadn't written that they lost uh, last week against Duke, but I had written a whole probably 500, 600 words on the fourth down stuff, um, and then they won by eighteen points, and I just hit delete and started started fresh, started anew. Um, right after that. So yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it gives me something to do during halftime. Yeah. I, 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 very rarely do I write something at halftime and it actually stays in the column, but I still do it. I don't know why I just do it. Mm-hmm. Big B seven zero three four. Bakari, wake up morning. Gents Noel seven and zero. I will enjoy the ride because we all know it could be worse. Mm-hmm. My question is what position group for next year's team? Would you guess the staff hits the portal hard for quarterback one with two to three years of experience to compete with Tate, or do they look to add another experienced linebacker? My guess, based on possible departures, possible departures, would be cornerback. What do you guys think? As always, eat at the CP and be sure to shake and take some vitamin energy. Go Knowles. Defensive you know, line, think, right? In- interior? I mean, I, well, I think the two big ones are the whole defensive line, and that should always be. Honestly, I think that's yeah. probably always number one priority. Amen. Go get you some monsters on the defensive line. Keep feeding this program with Braden Fisks and Daryl Jackson's ones that are eligible and Jared versus that's, that's, that's good stuff. That makes everything better. Um, but that's understood. You're always going to want a line of scrimmage guys and you're going to want older guys. That's a position where you like old experienced, strong guys. Uh, I also think linebacker needs to be addressed in a major way um, because you're losing Deloach, you're losing Tatum Bethune. Nobody, and I mean nobody, has proven that they belong as a starting linebacker in this program other than those two. Nicholson, we like it. We like what the potential there. Nicholson might end up being very good, but we don't know. I think I think we kind of know what DJ Lundy is, which is a fine role player. I don't know if he's a starter. He's certainly not at like a, a an elite linebacker. And then I would say the same thing really at this point about Omar Omar Graham. So you you don't you don't love what you have at linebacker, and you're losing your two best guys. So I would think obviously line of scrimmage goes without saying. I feel like you hit the portal hard for a couple of very good linebackers. Not saying I disagree with you, but I, I saw Where's that kid from Louisiana Tech. Grubs from back in the day he from the to, COVID years. Oh, T. Grubs. Yeah, what's he up to? He's a two-lane making things happen for the uh, for the. Green That's Raiders. right. He transferred, didn't he? I'll look up his stats. You go ahead. Yeah. I saw this on Twitter and it was like everybody dunking on this poor guy that I think was part of the Penn state media, or maybe it was a fan. And he just, he was like, here are the three reasons why Penn state is going to beat Ohio state. And you know, one oh. of them was like drew Aller and the offense. It's or one of them was like, it's our time, which is that's always the worst reason yes. to say that your team is going to win a game. Like number three on this three point list was our linebackers. And it started rattling off all their linebacks. And like, they're going to be too much for Ohio State to handle. And clearly, you know, Ohio State didn't play great offensively, but much better than Penn State. It just goes back to my whole point about, listen, LSU felt so great about Harold Perkins, Omar Spates, who they brought in from Oregon State. That was a great Pac-12 linebacker. 
Show me, man. Like people, send me links if you want that are linebacker till you die. Show me where linebacker play is affecting outcomes of important football games. Like I see Fred Warner doing stuff for the Niners in the NFL. Maybe it's a little bit different, but like at the college level, man, give me good cover corners. Give me a good secondary. Give me guys that are nasty in the trench that can pressure, can can stop the run. And I'm, again, I'm not disagreeing with you, but like. I don't know, like where where a magical linebacker takes you in this day and age. So, I'm, I'm well, not I just think it's. But you're right, one, though. You lose the load, you lose Bethune. You can't go into a season with Omar Graham and Blake Nicholson as like your starting linebackers from the jump. You can't do that. I get I, I think the the counter to that would be you might be singing a different tune if Omar Graham and Blake Nicholson were your starting linebackers. You you would see the difference. With those two guys compared to the two experienced guys, and Deloach is a really good athlete, Bethune is kind of an instinctual linebacker that can make plays. If you go from that, if you see the the disparity between them and then the guys behind them, you would see, oh man, this this is this isn't good. You you would see the the everything. I got you. The, yeah, the, the disparity. Call, you know what I mean? I Filling it, the I gaps. Also dealing with uh, mobile quarterbacks. My man uh, Grubbs not having the best year at Tulane. Mm. Um, so we and also yeah he's at Tulane he had 49 tackles in five games Aslan last year at La Tech before he got hurt. Ooh. But this year through seven games he's only got 31 for Tulane. He's mm-hmm. starting for him though he's still playing but he's already transferred so I think he's out of the equation. We gotta right. go somewhere else. I would say um, also the reason I didn't say corner is I like Azaria Thomas a lot, and he'll be back. And you Greedy know, Vance I, will be back. Greedy Vance. I think Quadarius Jones has a chance to be pretty good. No. Um, so I, I just the, I just think there's a few more question marks at linebacker than uh, at corner. And you might be able to move Knowles back there if you get safeties. Uh, yeah, that you yeah. Want, so. You're right. All right, let's take right. maybe one or two more here. Geo Knoll, yeah. wake up. Hello, my favorite podcast crew. We're 7-0 and to even say that brings a smile to my face. From where we were a few years ago to being ranked number four is amazing. My question to you both is how long do you think it will take for the young players to come out of their shells? Hakeem, Destin, Spawn. LOL mm-hmm. on offense, Lions, Hussey, Nicholson, Ward on defense. I haven't, yeah, I haven't recognized DeMarco Ward in a minute, uh, but he's probably in a black jersey. Thanks for all you do. You make a difference in our lives more than you know. Calm down. Oh, Love you, though, no, That's very sweet. Is, yeah, don't is. calm down. Uh, Sing it from the mountaintops. Uh, P.S. Corey, it was great to finally meet you and Jeff at CP a few weeks ago. Oh, it was great meeting you, Gio Knoll. Uh, I meet a lot of people. You remember but it fondly, I hope, though. I feel like Corey. You remember that I one feel fondly. like I do, and I hope my interaction was positive with you. I try to, I try to keep them positive, and I try to give people my time. I really do. I'm not one of those people who's like, "Hey, man, nice to meet you," and then I just keep looking at my phone. Right. Um, I do try to interact and and uh, have a real conversation with people. So I hope I was nice to you, Gio No, when we met. Um, I apologize that I don't quite remember the entire interaction. I think half of his um, list, though, we would expect to be important pieces next year, like Hakeem, Destin. Yes. Hussey yep. and Nicholson, maybe even Lions, absolutely. so more than half of the list. So. I, yes, uh, absolutely. Um, I think all those guys are going to be a part of the, the rotation. I think all of them are going to be starters, honestly, as the way the program sits right now. Um, I think Conrad Hussey has a chance to be – him and Shaheem in the same backfield next year would be could be nice. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, look, it's hard when you're playing on a team that is literally probably the most experienced team in Florida State history. Um, it's just got gobs of experience everywhere. And it's a ton of old guys, um, guys in their early 20s. To I, I don't know, maybe some of them are in their mid-20s. It is an old, old football team with a bunch of guys that have played a lot of football. It's hard to get a lot of reps. 
it's hard to, you know, quote unquote, come out of your shell. You don't get on the field a lot and you're surrounded by really good, really experienced football players. What you hope happens and what I think is happening is you're learning how to prepare like a pro by being around all these guys that prepare like a pro that have been college football, got players for four and five and six years. This is how you learn what it's like to be a college football player. And you think that just uh, it, it should just permeate the entire team and permeate on down to when the new guys come in next year. They'll, you know, it's like how the Florida State basketball team used to work when it was going well. Mm. The culture just kind of rubbed off on all the newcomers. And I, I do think that these guys have a chance. A few of those guys you mentioned have a chance to be special. Uh, Island Chief Esquin67, going to skip over you guys. Love you, though. Number one in my hearts. Don't mean to skip over. Just want to get this one out of the way to clear the mechanism. And then we'll get to the rest of these on the live show later tonight, a.k.a. also your Friday podcast. Let me read this one, then we'll get out on the other one. Noel for Life, Class of 2007. Wake up, Corey Naslon. We owe Wake Forest a grade A expletive whooping. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all. Oh, Drink vitamin okay. energy, beat Wake. And then let's get this one out of the way to our guy Marlin. Wake up, gents. Miami game approaching. By the way, see y'all at Corner Pocket the Friday of that game. There you go, Marlin. Yeah. Isn't he the one that comes up with a lot? Isn't he the listener that comes up with his family that are all Canes fans? Yep. Is that right? Yep. 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 Some friends. I don't know if if the wife is a Canes fan, but yeah, he was with some Canes fans uh, two years ago. But who had the fun ride on the way back that that time? Yeah, absolutely. Him and Andrew Parchment for life, baby. Yeah. Parchment Parchment Funkadelic for life. We talked about this, but let's just get it back out of the way so we can, again, uh, focus on the other ones tomorrow. Would it behoove Florida State to play their starters a bit more to get them ready or continue playing with backups in the middle of these next two games at Wake and Pitt? Love the show always. From Miami with love, Marlon. So Look, Miami man, I, approaching, you, you know, do you what do you do these next two games? You, do you factor in Miami approaching at all these next two games? But that assumes that when you play Miami that they're going to all of a sudden burst is going to be playing 90% of the snaps. And Bethune and Deloach are going to be playing 90% of the snaps. And I just don't – I haven't gotten the sense of that all year that that's what they're going to do. I didn't look at the Clemson game. I guess I should, the PFF numbers. Um, but I feel like Turner and Edmond played uh, – in those backups at linebacker played a decent amount in those games too. But I could be wrong there, so I'm not sure. Um, I get it. But, again, I, I guess it just goes back to the results, man, uh, you know, that, that these results are working. I would personally um, – I, I would play my starters earlier. I would play them more earlier in the game to maybe get some breathing room where then you can filter in some backups. Um, but that's not how they play. They, they know it's a four-quarter game. It's a, As I've said, it's a lot like – Florida State basketball, when it was rolling, they'd have a 14-3 to lead at the first media timeout and then bring in a whole new five, and all of a sudden the lead's gone. But by the last six minutes of the game, you are completely pulverizing the other team because they're dead tired and your guys are fresh because they played 21 minutes. And you and that, ha- that, that led them to a lot of wins. And it's certainly helping Florida State. They have owned, except for one game, they have owned the second half of every game they've played. Um, and the second half they did not own, uh, half the team apparently had the flu. Hmm. So maybe that had something to do with it too. So I can't argue, it's hard to argue with the results, but it is frustrating in the second quarter when a team that you should be beating comfortably is hanging around, hanging around, and you see guys on the defense that are maybe allowing yardage that other guys would not allow. There you go. Did I give you time to look it up, Aslan? Verse 65 against Clemson. Patrick Payton, 55. Okay. 
I wish I'd put it in better. Uh, Edmund 23, Byron Turner 15. All right. They play. Wow. Okay. All right. So they, I guess Clemson probably ran like 75, 77 plays. 82 So first was on the field counts. for most of them. Yeah. 82. How much? 82. So verse was 65 of 82? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's where I'd, that's where I'd hang. That's my sweet spot, but you got to get these guys ready too. I would just, again, maybe mix and match more. Also, that Jared versus was the highest graded defensive player against Clemson in that game. That is uh, the second. That's the highest grade he's had this season against a power five opponent. By the way, shout out to Peyton. Uh, again, he, he had an exceptional game on Saturday, I thought, against Duke. He really was. He made some fair, some big time plays and his pass rush was really impactful. Um, but he looked good again at, at practice today or sorry, on Wednesday. Maybe, just maybe, old Patrick Payton is turning himself into an NFL player in a future all-ACC first-round selection. You know what I mean? Probably Ooh. not this year. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. This guy, this guy is starting to show the makings of being a big-time player. And he'd already proven it a little bit, but I feel, don't you feel like he's, he's just co- he's coming along? He's getting better and better and better. And uh, him and five on the other side, that's a, that's a nice tandem to have. What's the acronym you guys use for him on headlines? Old batted balls, Peyton. OBBP. OBBP. <laughs> Old batted balls, Peyton. I don't think he got one against Duke, but he was close. He's yeah. all up in their face, jumping up. Yeah. All right, that's a wrap for us. Thanks so much for uh, hanging in there. Uh, be on the lookout for the War Chair Report, powered by Cummins. Full preview of the upcoming game against Wake Forest. Jeff Cameron, Irish Ophel, myself. We also have the voice of the Demon Deacons uh, joining us for his thoughts on the program out there. Jeff Cameron show one to three o'clock matchup analysis as well. We will have a over under contest up on the boards on Friday. And then don't forget again, live show 6 PM tonight. That'll be your Friday podcast. Can't wait for it. He's Corey. I'm Aslan. Thanks for listening to wake up War champ presented by the corner pocket bar and grill.